This is the 2016-2017 Best and Worst of TV Podcast. podcast my name is luke kerr joining me today we have melody Eagles. welcome melody hi also joining us we have dan pierce welcome dan why hello and also returning he's becoming a bit of a regular mo walker welcome back mo thank you guys for having me we're going to be diving into the best and worst of the 2016-2017 tv season before we get to that wonder woman came out the film is breaking a whole bunch of glass ceilings uh for female directors it's took in $100.5 million. Mo, what did you think of the film? I know you and I are the only two that watched it. We'll have to tread very carefully. Otherwise, Mel is going to reach through the internet and kill us both. But, we'll do it. Uh, Don't but, do not put it past me. If I hear a, just a sliver of a spoiler, I will end your world. Okay, we will tread carefully. Mo, what did you think of uh, Wonder Woman? Overall, I thought it was a great film. It it was, in fact, the film that I was looking for most to this summer, and it did live up to my expectations. And even I think it even surpassed my expectations in, in some regards. I think that the tone of the film was set with the the, uh, the little girl, the, the young actress who portrayed Diana initially, and it, she kind of sets the tone for things and kind of leads you into um, – when Gail Godot's uh, version of Diana is introduced. I think for, for individuals who are fans of the character, they will leave the theater very pleasantly surprised. I think this is the best DC entertainment film that's been released. And you're clarifying that because, if I'm not mistaken, the Batman Dark Knight was pre, right? Before they formed yes. it? Yes. Yep. Correct. The Kevin, uh, the Kevin, the uh, Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy was not part of this current DC Entertainment uh, structure. Okay. Um, this technically began with Man of Steel in the in the movies that have come since then. But in terms of the quality, yes, this 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 movie is the, is the best of those movies. I believe that in in many ways portrays Wonder Woman as she has always been as an aspirational character. I think this is a film for for uh, individuals, not just comic book fans or fans of Wonder Woman, but also a, a film that the general audience can find something in that they will enjoy. This is truly a summer blockbuster movie. And out of five stars, what would you give it? I would give this four and a half. That is exactly this, what I would give it. It's four and a half out of five for me as well. I love that it had humor. I love that it had heart. I, the action was great. This is everything I had hoped that Batman v Superman, Man of Steel, and Suicide Squad could have been and weren't. Um, I also feel that if they had 
um, rather than doing Batman v Superman, if they had done this one immediately after Man of Steel, you could have still had the tease for Bruce Wayne by having him like because at the opening of this film they have Bruce Ener or Wayne Enterprises delivering the photo that we saw in Batman v Superman to Diana, and we could have just teased Batman. And if they would have done that, I think you could have still pulled it off, and this would have been the second movie in the franchise are in the DC extended universe and it would have set a whole different tone than for what we have at um, what we know already for the previous films. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I'm a wonder woman fan more from a justice league perspective than an individual character perspective. And for me, this was everything that I looked for. It very much reminded me of season one of the flash, maybe with a little bit less comedy, and that was okay because of the way the way they set up the premise. Uh, Mel, Dan, I can't wait to get your reactions to it. My, I think my thing on Twitter was, grab the keys to your invisible jet. You need to get into theaters to watch this as soon as possible. I fully um, believe that. And we need this one to be as successful as possible so that the whole Zack Snyder vision does not take hold any further and so that course corrections are made for the upcoming films that we have coming in the DC Extended Universe. The Zack Snyder stuff at the moment is kind of hit the pause button with Joss Whedon picking it up due to Zack Snyder taking a break because his um, his child recently committed suicide. Yeah. And so he, out of respect for the family, uh, he's taken a break from all DC related things. So and we'll as see. I, and as I understand that, Bat uh, the Justice League movie was basically done. It's now just in the editing where where Whedon is taking over. Maybe if I don't know if they're going to be doing a, a few reshoots, but from what I, I was understanding, that was basically in the can. It's just that he's yeah. taking over the final product. He's like taking over production. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's dive into t the best and worst of the 2016-2017 season. Mel, I love having you on for these end-of-year podcasts. I tried to keep the categories down as much as possible, Lies. and they still <laughs> and there's still okay. some there's yeah. still some that are missing. Like as I was going through, I was like, "Where's my most improved?" Mm -hmm. And where and so I'm like. I can't wait to discuss these. Mel. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't ever add new categories. These are the same categories. Uh, no, these cannot be the same categories because these, this is the first time we've ever recorded one of these podcasts. So they it's can't be the same. Time, How many ties do we are we going to have? I, like, know, that's my <laughs> I mean, listen, it is my prerogative and pejorative to have ties. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's kick this off. Um, Mel. Breakout character or star of the 2016-2017 season. For me, it is, has to be no one other than Miss Gail Gadot. Um, she has really taken over the geek world in these last couple of months here with the build-up to Woman Woman, and now that it's finally premiered, I mean, she's sitting on top of the world as she should be. I've heard nothing but great things about this movie. I haven't seen it yet, but from what I'm reading and everyone's reactions, I feel like I'm going to love it. But just the fact that they finally got a Wonder Woman movie made and it's decent, I cannot wait. And it's from a female director. Like, ugh, this is amazing. I cannot wait. For, for me, she's the breakout. I mean, she's been around for a while. She did 
57 Fast and the Furious movies. We saw her little cameo. That's what I'm calling it because she was only in Batman versus Superman for 30 minutes, but she was the best part of the movie. So now it's her time to shine. So I am all about it. Go. So even though she wasn't on TV because of the fact that she was so awesome, I'll give that one to you, Mel. Um, that's your mulligan. Uh, supposed to be on TV? Yes. Did I not read this? Mm, Mel didn't read the email. Uh, uh, no <laughs> which, which after 10 years is no surprise. Yes. This, that's why it's the 2016, 2017 TV season broadcast oh. cable and streaming. Oh, this, this is what I, this, okay, this is out. why I go what I go through, folks. <laughs> oh wow! It's okay. It's okay. It's, no. it's fine. You know what? I'm gonna take that one. You know why? Because I don't read the emails. I don't. I just look at the categories. And it was so well, she's well, she's scra- well, she well, she's scrambling to correct her list while the rest of us are going through. Well, no i thought i didn't expect you to start with a movie but um it's okay it's pardon i gotta change like half my list all right go go okay (laughs) uh i'll give you some time uh dan who was your breakout star or character of the season well i i chose this character based on like just her command on screen and like just coming out of nowhere and just taking over Camila Mendez as Veronica Lodge is just the best find you could possibly hope for, for the character. She, she owns everything. She takes Betty's lunch. She can take Kevin's lunch. If she wanted, she like Archie doesn't stand a chance. That's exactly what you want in a Veronica. And she was fantastic this season in Riverdale. And I cannot wait for her to share scenes with Mark Consuelos as Hiram Lodge. That's going to be so good. He He's fantastic. She is fire. It's just going to be the best thing. So I'm very excited. Okay. Uh, Mo, who is your breakout star? I'm going to go with Hale Appleman. He plays the High King Elliot from The Magicians. And everything that Elliot kept going, having to deal with uh, during season two... He just rose through the challenge. He showed up. He didn't know how to be the High King of Fillory, but he kind of muddled his way through. He had an arranged marriage. He didn't necessarily love the woman. He didn't really care about the woman. But as the second season progressed, he not only came to care about his wife, but also their baby, which, again, he did not want. He had to deal with challenges from neighboring kingdoms. If you've seen The Magicians, you will know that he ended up in this really weird kind of challenge or face-off with the neighboring Lorian king, and there's an unexpected twist. In oh, which we'll just go ahead and up, spoil it. Yeah. Go ahead and spoil it. <laughs> so the two end up actually having sex and getting married. So they're, they're going to... He, he has a husband. Uh, Elliot now has a husband and a wife. And a wife. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean... Elliot has to deal with this crazy court. The three other kings and queens of Fillory are just dealing with their own personal drama. And also he has to deal with a sloth that keeps giving him bad advice and keeps telling him how to mur- mur- uh, keeps telling him to murder people. So Hale Appleben just knocked it out of the park with this character. He made the magicians fun and exciting 
week in and week out. Absolutely. I was trying to figure out a way to fit him into my list, and I couldn't. So I'm very glad that you were able to, because I believe, like you, that he made the second season. The second season for me was significantly better than the first, and part of it was the fact that Elliot was such a compelling character um, in Fillory. My breakout star character is someone who's very familiar to daytime audiences. We knew and loved him on um, Guiding Light. Tom Pelfrey. The reason why I call him a breakout star is because Iron Fist was pretty much panned by everybody, but in the reviews that I read, every, every review that I had indicated that the Meacham siblings, of which Tom Pelfrey is one, portrays one, Ward Meacham, were um, reasons to watch this show. He was the reason that I stuck with it. He, he had been previously in... Um, on Cinemax's uh, Banshee, which was also a, a good role, but this one seems to be the one that is actually getting his name to the masses. It's not like it's just a small daytime audience. It's not like it's just a small Cinemax audience. Him portraying Ward Meacham on um, Iron Fist really brought him into the light, and I'm very happy for him. He deserves it. Um, cannot wait to see what happens and if he pops up at all in the Defenders. Um, I, I'm a little bit more concerned about if what would happen in a second season of Iron Fist, but we'll worry about that later. Dan, just because we're going to give Mel a little bit more time, um, who do you have for Everyone Needs a Sidekick or Best Sidekick of the TV Season? I mean, I, I feel as though you can't go wrong with John Diggle. David Ramsey, like, he, he is such a, a fantastic actor and portrays John Diggle with such a level of integrity that you don't really see. And when you have Oliver Queen, who kind of teeters back and forth with, like, am I going to be killing all of these people or am I going to, like you know, save part of my humanity kind of thing, uh, depending on the season or situation or what have you. And that's what you need. And he goes through his own issues with obviously Lila kind of turning into Amanda Waller a little bit. Um, and obviously being, uh, incarcerated and having to deal with the death of his brother that was weighing on him a lot this season. But when it came to training the new, the newbies and just, kind of sorting through all of his own issues he he really shined this season and i thought he gave a really underrated performance and yeah so john diggle okay mo so i'm gonna go with the kind of out of the box response so my best uh my best sidekick for this season is a character named amy she's from this uh show called crazy head which it's a uk show it's available in this country on netflix Crazy Head is about two females, Amy and Raquel, who both can see demons. Think Buffy. Okay. Raquel sees herself as Buffy. Amy is more like the reluctant Willow character. And so in the first few episodes, you know, Raquel is trying to get Amy to, you know, accept that, A, we can see these demons. We got to kill these demons. And Amy's just like... I don't really want to screw up my life any more than it is. And so while they're fumbling around trying to get their act together, there's a secret conclave of demons who are trying to open this portal to hell. And by the end of the season, Amy is not only on board with working with Raquel 
to stop these demons, she nearly sacrifices herself in order to save Raquel. So if you've... if you're familiar with any sort of Simon Pegg movie like Shaun of the Dead, it very much is in the crazy head is in the tone of, of that movie. It's it was created by a guy named Howard Overman, who created this really perverse superhero show called Misfits a few years ago. I thought that the actresses who played both Amy and Raquel were very compelling. They had a very interesting dynamic with the two. And so I'm just going to give it to that to Amy from Crazy Head, because I want to give streaming services a little bit of love. Okay. My best sidekick is someone who would never, ever consider herself to be a sidekick. Maybe it would be best supporting character as opposed to sidekick, but I, it, without question for me, it would be Callista Flockhart as Cat Grant on Supergirl, because no one has better lines. No one provi- comes in at the most pivotal moment to make Supergirl a better hero and provide her with the inspiration and snark that she desperately sometimes needs because Supergirl can be a little bit too sweet. So for me, it's Cat Grant. Isn't that a mentor, though? Um, yeah. Considering she's not on the show very much, I'm willing to call her a sidekick. And it, once again, my rules. Uh, we make the <laughs> rules up as we go along. Melody, <laughs> speaking of making the rules up, have you got your best TV pick for every yes. hero needs a sidekick? Yes, I do. Okay, what is it? Um, mine is Cisco Ramon from The Flash. For me, as soon as I hear sidekick, he's the first person I think of. He's always got Barry's back. Every once in a while, you know, they fall out every once in a while. But he's always there for his Barry. He's the guy in his head. If that does not scream sidekick, come on, guys. That's my sidekick of TV season. Okay. Staying on the vein of the Flash, uh, my biggest frack up of the 2016-17 season is Barry Allen on the Flash. Because not only did he screw up the timeline he ended up being a really terrible villain as Savitar. So he is my biggest crack up. Dan, who did you have? You already know who I have. I have Barry Allen. Cause okay. He created this whole big mess with the flashpoint and he's like, he never wants to take responsibility for his own actions. He's just like, Oh, I guess I did this. Now let me try and fix things. Oh, I made things worse. Oh, woe is me. And then everyone has to comfort him because they're more worried about his emotions than him taking responsibility for his own actions. And it just, it's so frustrating. And then at the very end, we're like, oh, the reveal is future Barry did it. And I'm like, really? He, like, the reason we're getting Barry, like, it, it, it's a comma. He he said, I'm the future Flash instead of I'm the future Flash. It, like, it, it, it just, it made me frustrated. It made me sad. And then, like, we have this fantastic fight and it's great and it's awesome. And then Iris kills him with a bullet. And I'm just kind of like, why? What? That has no significance. And then Barry leaves, and he's in the Speed Force, so I guess this is the Wally and West just, show now. he just walks into it voluntarily. Mo, who is your biggest frack up of the season? Well, I'm not going with Barry. Come he on. My, he Make was it my unanimous. Uh, no, I'm going to go Do with it. the Legends. Legends? All right, I can see that. That makes sense. 
Come on, that's they, fine. They fragmented the time stream at the end of the season. That's a, I mean, you okay. can't get any bigger than that. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mel, who's your biggest frack up? Well, who else was it going to be? Mr. Bartholomew Henry Allen. Young man, how many times are you going to run back in time and change the past before you realize, hey, maybe this is a bad idea. Maybe I should stop screwing up the future by running into the past and changing things. How many times do we have to do this, Barry? I am completely just fed up with him. Then I agree with Dan. Like, we had this really awesome fight between Flash and Savitar, and then there's a point where it falls off the rails. Because, so, when Barry jumps into the Savitar suit, and kicks future Flash out, I, I was like, okay, time out, hold on. We could have done this shit all season. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we defeated him? The whole season? You could have jumped into his suit? Are you kidding me right now? I was done. See? I was so done. Because I'm like, this is no, no. If we could have done this before, we could have done this way back in episode five and been done with it. But no, we had to go through all of this. No. And then the thing with the speed force and it needs a prison. Oh my lord, so complicated. So I just I I need you to do better, sir. I listened to a Flash podcast. Um, I think it's called the Flash Flash uh, Cast, and those hosts are so were so fed up with the season that they have decided that they may not come back for next season. It's just it's crazy and it's stupid and things that is just like no. We need a resolution that couldn't have happened before because as soon as he jumped in that suit, I said, uh-uh, no. There is no way. If that's all we had to do, what the hell? We could have saved HR's life. We could have saved uh, Caitlyn from being Killer Frost. This don't make no sense. You are absolutely right. And the, for me, the most disappointing thing is I'm not going to be able to listen to that podcast anymore. <laughs> Woe is me. I'm Sandra D, the most angsty or annoying character of 2016-17. Dan, I'll let you go first. Guys, I, I have to decide, am I going to be the captain of the football team? Or am I going to start this music career with this child predator who I'm secretly <laughs> sleeping with and also, like, covering up some clues in a murder investigation? I don't, I, I just, I don't know. I know you guys have some serious problems that you're dealing with and that's fine, but I, I'm really struggling with this. Uh, Archie Andrews, shut up. For annoying or depre uh, angsty? Well, angsty, annoying, like... He he just he bothers me, but he's supposed to bother me, and like I I just I never understood like why I know like women are supposed to have a pull to Archie, but like he he doesn't know what to do with anything like just in terms of I don't know what like how badly he screwed up his relationship with Valerie, everything that went on with Cheryl, um just. He's so clueless, but he's angsty about being clueless. And also he's angsty about like things that don't matter in the grand scheme of things, because there's so many other things going on in Riverdale that Archie, whether or not he's going to do like different things like football or music, I, I don't care. 
Okay. Like, my, uh, people um, are getting shot. Mine is also from um, Riverdale, but it's Jughead because he was just way too depressing this season. I love Riverdale. It's on my list later on, but Jughead was just too depressing for me. Mo, who do you have? Well, I was going to say that Dan, I was like, Archie just kind of reminded me of just a normal teenager, just moody and just not, you know, all into his own thing. So (laughs) he seemed like a typical teenager to me. But um, my woe is me is Mr. Bartholomew Allen. (laughs) Okay. Very from jump. As soon as he got back from Flashpoint. Hell, when he was in Flashpoint, he was woe as me. It was like, well, I like having my parents back, but, you know, I screwed up the time stream. When he gets back from Flashpoint, it's, well, I changed some things. Oh, Cisco's brother's dead. Should I tell Cisco that, you know, maybe I accidentally killed his brother because of Flashpoint? Oh, Wally had superpowers in Flashpoint, but now he doesn't have them, and now he's being stalked. Should I tell people? No, Barry Allen's hiding things from folks, and it just keeps he keeps digging a bigger and bigger hole for himself. While every episode, you get at least, I felt like at times, like five to ten minutes of woe is me, Barry Allen. You Don't know? forget what he did to the Diggle family. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah, that even leads and it has impacts on the other shows as well. So, I mean, even the crossover, that was a good portion of the crossover that was, that was spit where he was doing woe is me on all the shows on every episode of the crossover. Mel, who do you have? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Oh yes. Uh, well, we agree, Luke for once. Mine is Jughead and it's not, I know I defended him before and I still stand by you know, what I said, but he's definitely the most angsty character of the season. He's a very, you know, I cover the right side of my face because I can only stand to see half the world kind of <laughs> character. So, and but I understand, you know, he have a lot going on. I get it, but Lord, 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 I hope he finds some kind of something happy in the next season, but he's got angst on lock. Okay. Uh, next category up, we have Kick That Ass. Best fight scene of the season. Mo, who do you have? From the Arrow season finale, I'm going with Arrow versus Prometheus, Talia versus her sister Nissa Al Ghul, Slade Wilson just kicking ass against a bunch of ninjas, and New Black Canary versus Black Siren. Okay, Dan? I had the Legends teaming up with the Legends versus the Legion of Doom. Okay. Uh, I like even though like there was a lot of bloodshed and a lot of death and stuff. I thought that was one of the most powerful scenes that you could possibly come up with, where like you finally get a sense of who the character of uh, Mick Rory is. You have Sarah dealing with her own stuff right now. Rip Hunter feels out of place on his own team. Uh, Just Jax uh, throwing himself in the line of fire to save um, a version of Martin Stein. Like there's so many, so many elements going on. And not only that, but there was like an element of legends where the villains, there was no real plan other than to rewrite history. It was a lot of light funness and hijinks. But at the end of the day, 
like it all led to this bigger moment. And that I kind of appreciated because it, it had us going into this fight being like, I'm not emotionally exhausted with any of these characters and I know that they're going to pay off. And then they did. And it was great. Mel. Um, mine comes from a show that I think I was the only one left watching in the end. And that is from the grim season finale when um, Nick and his mother and his aunt Marie all came together and they defeated the final villain. It was great. It was a great ending for a series. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think I watched it two or three times. So um, that's my best fight. And I cannot wait to watch that. I still have it on my, um, on my DVR, which is going to be mentioned in an upcoming category. It was good. Mine is the invasion crossover event for legends of tomorrow. um, Supergirl, the flash and arrow i really like what they did there the scene the fight scenes were great i love how we brought the universe together for me it was everything that batman v superman wasn't um what just happened uh, this is going to be an interesting category to see how everybody interpreted this uh mo why don't you go first sure i picked I went with NBC's The Good Place. I'm not sure if anybody's familiar with it. It's a comedy starring Ted Danson and Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell plays a character named Eleanor who ends up dead. And then she finds herself in this cul-de-sac in in heaven, even though Eleanor was a horrible person when she was alive. Uh, Ted Danson's character is named Michael, who's an angel, and he's the quote-unquote architect of this neighborhood. Now, the um, what just happened moment comes at the end of the season when it's revealed that the good place is called the sack is actually in hell and that Michael is not an angel. And then what happens at the the very last minute or two of the season finale is, is that time reverts and all the characters you've met, uh, Chris, Kristen Bell's character. She doesn't remember what had previously happened. So is she out of hell then, or is she still in hell? It's just started over. She's still in hell. It started over, and okay. she believes she's back in heaven. Ooh, so it's a little bit of the Truman Show meets hell. Correct. Okay. Dan? I'm looking at the Arrow season finale, and I cannot wait for the Oliver and William show. I'm so excited for the Oliver and William show. Just a father and son, even though the son is like, I don't know, nine like, he's a little older than we remember him being. Um, but I'm really excited for that show. That's going to be great. Um, because I I just... The whole island just exploded. And all of the other characters, aside from Oliver and William, are, de- are presumed dead now. I know that they can't, like, actually kill all of them. And, like... Hopefully Slade Wilson uh, got them to the other side of the island in time to get to the boat. But, um, yeah, I, I I had a tough one with this one. It was either that or the Wally West show that's going to be going on on uh, The Flash, which it, I'd be totally cool with. 
it was interesting because um i last week's episode i hadn't had a chance to watch the finales or everything anything but i got caught up over the course of the week and i tweeted something about the fact that boy chase really was into arrow and it was almost as if they it was unrequited love and then dan cc'd me on a tweet that mo had uh tweeted something very similar earlier in the week or previously and i'm like there's some really unintended chemistry there mel what do you have um, I have the Flash Supergirl crossover musical episode because I'm pretty Good sure one. that's what I said after I watched it. Uh, what just happened here? What? How did I? What is going on? Yeah, because that was the whole episode. I'm glad that everyone is so multi-talented, but I don't want to watch it no more. Thank you. <laughs> and you're welcome. It felt like a very special Glee reunion episode of Flash and Supergirl. It was just weird. Yeah, it I don't was... want to do that anymore. <laughs> no. Uh, my um, just what happened is the four episodes of American Gods that I've watched. I think I'm one episode behind now. But I, I have no clue what's going on other than the fact that I am watching for Ian McShane's Mr. Wednesday and Ricky Whittle's Shadow Moon. Because their chemistry, as uh, their platonic chemistry and dynamic is just amazing. I have no clue what else is going on. Shadow Moon's wife is now a, 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 a zombie who, with like sewed on arms and stuff. And it turns out that she's the one that ha- saved him, uh, saved Shadow Moon when he was being lynched. Words cannot describe how aimless this series feels when you watch it. I realize it's going somewhere, but half the time I'm just like, what the world? next category up my dvr is full and i can't catch up i when i was writing this i was sort of thinking of that commercial for lifelock mel who do you have um legion fx when i have 10 plus episodes staring at me on my dvr that means i should delete this and wait for it to get on netflix or hulu so yeah I'm, i'm gonna get there eventually at some point but it's not gonna be soon <laughs> okay uh dan I was looking at this category as if this would be the one that people would have ties with. Um, I've, I've decided not to throw the ties in here. I'll just say, uh, yeah, I'm working on Attack on Titan on my Hulu. Uh, it's it, it's good. I just I, I need them to refocus back to the main characters because uh, I don't really care about the side characters at all. But yeah, no, I'm really excited. Mo. I'm going with the uh, uh, show Humans, which is on AMC. It's a British show. It's about uh, synthetic beings that have gained sentience. It's a, its a second season. I really enjoyed the first season. I, honestly, I've just been overwhelmed with so many shows that something had to go on the back burner. And since that's only like eight episodes, I figure I can catch up with it whenever. This is a category where I have ties. Sense there we eight. go. Surprise, Sense, surprise. Sense eight. I love the first season. I love the special. I just haven't had time to watch the second season, and now it's been canceled. So I, the only good thing about that is that unlike a broadcast television, Netflix never gets rid of it. So I'll be able to still watch the final season. But um, that is on my list. Gotham is on my list. I have like eight or nine episodes left. I've heard that it's gotten better over the last half of the season. I just have a really hard time with that show for some reason. Grimm and Black Sails are both series that I love for years. But, and I've, I think I've mentioned this on podcasts before, I have real difficulty with final seasons of shows 
because I can't bring myself to let the story be over. And so I have like six episodes of Black Sails and six episodes of Grimm, and I know that they're going to be amazing to watch, but I just can't bring myself to close that chapter. Next up, we have That's Cold, Captain Cold, the cutthroat character of the season. Dan, who do you have? Adrian Chase. Oh, my gosh. The the decision that he left Oliver, either I kill your son or all of your friends die. You choose. <laughs> uh, just, it's, it was so powerful all season watching him play mind games with Oliver. He's such a good actor that I'm a little sad that he's gone. Um, and I feel as though the cast is also very sad that he's gone because he's on like tour with Stephen Amell going to comic cons all over the world. But yeah, no, he, he messed with Oliver's head a lot and he was pretty cutthroat doing it. So he, yeah. he turned out to be a pretty good villain. I, I yeah. Um, uh, you, you know who didn't though? Uh, vigilante. What happened to him? Good point. They just kind of dropped him. <laughs> Mo, who do you have for the most cutthroat character of the season? I also have Adrian Tra- Chase Prometheus as well. I mean, he was his damn sad. The dude was relentless. I mean, not only did he torture Oliver mentally and physically, he was he was turning he turned a member of Teen Arrow against Oliver. I mean, he kidnapped Oliver's son, Oliver's baby mama. He teamed up with Talia Al Ghul, Oliver's former mentor. And Batman's baby mama. He is bad. Now, with regard to the vigilante, I, you know, in the comics, Adrian Chase is the vigilante. So I'll be curious to see who that that character turns out to be next season. Okay. Tommy. Mel, who do you have? Negan from The Walking Dead. For reasons that y'all already know. Um, yeah, pretty much almost made the show unwatchable because he was so cold-blooded. So, yeah. He's the reason I stopped watching. My cutthroat character of the season is Clark on The 100. This is a show that literally gives no shits about anybody, and anybody can die. It's literally like Game of Thrones on broadcast television. The thing that makes it interesting for me about Clark is the fact that she always has some sort of emotional connection or it's she's always faced with a choice that makes it more difficult and in the end she's always putting what's best for the mass the group above what's best for herself or the those maybe closest to her and she just ends up season after season making cutthroat decisions um my honorable mention in this was going to be um miss quill on class because she's pretty cutthroat too the Cheryl Blossom Award, otherwise known as best new character or best character of the season, because of course I have to get a Cheryl Blossom mes- me- mention in on this podcast. Uh, Dan, who do you have? I have Rufus from Timeless. Okay, he like he's so lovable, and he like he grew so much during the course of the season, from like and gained so much confidence and. You know, I'm so excited that the show's been renewed, and you guys were right, and I shouldn't have doubted you in any way, and I'm sorry. Uh, But yeah, no, 
it was it, he he was great. I really liked him. I really loved the bromance with him and uh, Hemingway. That was so cool, and I need more of that. Which means Brandon Barash, I'm calling you. Come back. Um, so yeah. Okay, Mo. I'm gonna go with the HBIC herself, Cheryl Blossom, because whether it's I went from loving her snark and her mean girlishness to, you know, feeling really sorry for her at Jason's funeral to the times I was just pissed off at her, such as when she crashed Jughead's party. But then I was cheering her on in the last episode when she set fire to the house. So I'll go with Cheryl Blossom. Mel? Um, Mine is queen veronica lodge because that is her name because she's the queen come on now for me i know y'all be talking about cheryl cheryl is hbic in her head veronica is actually the hbic okay she runs the show i know y'all know it she will get in your face she'll tell you how it is she don't care who you are where you came from she'll give a damn i love that character so for me she was the best character of the season and she got the man at the end so how about Veronica may be a queen, but Cheryl's an empress. Cheryl is Cheryl. Cheryl Cheryl is definitely my uh, best character of the season. Absolutely loved her for all the reasons that Mo mentioned, and she does it with such style and snark and quips. And then there's moments where she's just going freaking um, insane and you don't know if she's teetering on the edge herself. And then she has these really human moments, which make you feel sorry for her. Absolutely love her. Best new show of the season. Dan. I'm going with Riverdale. I didn't know much about Archie or Veronica or Betty or any of this stuff. And it made me really, really curious and start researching and like actually looking into the history of the comics and stuff like that. Uh, That there was intrigue. There was like, teen drama that I haven't felt since I haven't had a good primetime soap like this since revenge. So I was, I was all about, all about Riverdale. Um, I'm very excited for, to see what next season brings. And I like all of the potential that, you know, all of the character dynamics are kind of have sorted themselves out into. So, yeah. Okay. Maurice or Mo. I answered it either. I'm going to go with Class, the Doctor Who spinoff that's on BBC America, and it was originally a show in the UK on BBC Three. It's essentially Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Doctor Who. I mean, you swap out an alien prince for Buffy, and you got an alien terrorist turned teacher who's basically Giles. There you go. Um, It just wrapped up its season here. Uh, Hopefully, we will. There will be a second second series of this. I thoroughly enjoyed this show. It provided a lot of good soapy goodness, but also some aliens, too. I absolutely agree. Uh, for me, this is the perfect combination of the Doctor Who universe and a YA format, and I think they just executed it flawlessly. Mel, what's your best new show of the season? What else could it be? Timeless! Come on! It was a show that... I had to watch. It was must-see TV for me. And just the way that the story progressed, and especially the end 
with spoiler alert with her mother revealing that she is Rittenhouse come on I was screaming at my television so for me it was just a fantastic show and then you know with our characters Rufus Rufus Wyatt and Lucy they have great chemistry all three of them together and Rufus is definitely a standout of that bunch so um it had everything I liked best new show I I love Timeless, but I had to save it for a later category. Um, my best new show of the season is Riverdale. It was everything I didn't realize I needed until I was watching it, and it all fell into place. It would be five out of five stars for me if, if they had used Josie the way they should have, and instead of just using her for promotional stuff and then only showing her sporadically. Other than that, it's four out of five for me. Fantastic first season. Best series or season finale, Mo. I'm gonna go with the Vampire Diaries. I was feeling epic. I mean, Julie Plack and Kevin Williamson brought the show full circle by focusing on that initial rectangle of Stefan, Elena, Damon, and Catherine. But Plack also touched upon just about every major Vampire Diaries character that ever appeared on screen. She also set up a, a potential spinoff with, with Caroline. I think. That she stuck the landing. Did no two ways about it. Julie Plek stuck the landing with the series finale of Vampire Diaries. I am getting chills just thinking about that, and as you're talking about it, because for me, it was also my best series finale. The last couple seasons of the Vampire Diaries had been iffy, but I stuck with it, and I am so glad they did. The Bonnie and and the the scene where she and her ancestors come back together to fight and lock hands, chills. I teared up. The Damon, Elena, Stefan. I was so happy to see Stefan dead. The sanctimonious character <laughs> finally ended up dead, but he did it in a way that was true to his character. It was like both made me ecstatic and sad at the same time. I couldn't help myself. Caroline, the hint of the fact that we might get to see her on the originals with Klaus, because we all know that her and Klaus should be together and not him with that knockoff. I, I cannot speak more highly of the Vampire Diary series finale. Julie Pleck did an amazing job, and it's something really to be proud of. After this many seasons of watching that show, you sometimes get these finales with like Dexter and, and Lost and things where you've invested all this time. And then the series finale is just like, what the frack just happened here? And this was not it. It it gave us the moments we needed. It set up the possibility of something in the future. And it also brought back a lot of the faith. I mean, there are more cameos in that finale than I think I've seen in a long time on any show. And it, they just did it so well. Uh, Dan, who do you have? I got Timeless. I loved every second of it. It was it was very, very satisfying, um, especially dealing with a lot of the ramifications of like, okay, you had four people in the lifeboat. What does this mean? We see it in the um, medical issue with Gia and just – it's in her eyes and stuff, and it's just really, really, and all the stuff going on with Lucy and her mother and her being ridden house. It, ah, oh, I, it made me really excited for more timeless. 
And then I was very scared that there wouldn't be more timeless. But now we're getting more timeless. So I'm okay. Mel? Um, for me, it was the Grimm series finale. I know I'm the only one that's seen it because, Luke, you haven't watched it yet, but it was fantastic. Just the whole final season was really great, but to watch it end and end properly, I mean, you see the way it plays out with all the characters. I don't want to give too many spoilers because, Luke, you haven't seen it, but um, the way that it plays out, you see what happens to each character, and then there's a way that they rectify everything, and it comes together, and it makes sense, so... For me, when you watch a show that's been pretty decent, the whole go around. It's been solid the entire time. Yeah. The, there was a couple of moments in there. I was like, oh, this is okay, but we're going to go with it. But for the most part, it's been a really just good series. And the way it ended, I was perfectly fine with it. So anytime a show can do that where I'm like, you know what? I'm happy I watched this show. I, it's got to get my best series finale. So grim. Great job. Okay. Worst show of the season, Dan. Well, sorry, Iron Fist, uh, but yeah, no, that 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 show wasn't good. It wasn't good, guys. I, as much as I like Madame Gao, and I was really, um, really into Colleen Wing, I believe. Um, it's just it is a this is a bad show. It it it, it, it and it wasn't even like. Oh, the you know the casting controversy with Danny Rand and stuff like that. Like that was that was pushed to the forefront in like the discussion. But even from like a character perspective, from the motivations were off. Some of the dial like the dialogue is supposed to be like crisp when you're trying to tell this type of story in this many episodes, and you need to move characterization forward. But it never felt like it always felt like they were trying to establish characterization and just like a new characterization rather than like, OK, I established point A. Let me go to A1, A2, A3. It, it just it never felt like that. And the finale, it happened, I guess. Um, I I'm really looking forward to seeing Danny Rand and the characters that we're going to get from the Defenders from Iron Fist in a setting that's not Iron Fist because I think they might be able to succeed outside of their um, realm, as it were. Kind of like, I know this is like a polarizing thing, but like in the Fast and Furious movies, like Tokyo Drift, seeing Han outside of Tokyo Drift, you got to get to know him a lot better than him just being an angsty mentor. In the same respect, we might be able to get to see a different side to Danny Rand um, and, you know, maybe like him a little bit more as a character. Mo? I'm going with Marvel's Iron Miss. Iron Fist is the worst show. Dan summed it up. I clearly lay my problems with that show at the hands of Danny Rand. He was inept throughout the entire 13 episodes. There was little growth and progression with that character. He stayed whiny from start to finish. I'm hoping that once the character meets up, like Dan said, with the other characters from the Defenders, and personally, I want to see the Luke Cage-Iron Fist um, relationship in the Defenders because I, I've been a fan of that pairing in comics for a long time. 
And aren't you a little bit scared that it, if he's as bad opposite Luke Cage as he was in the Iron Fist, that it's just going to be heartbreaking? Because I'm, it makes me scared. I'm scared. You know, I lay part of the problem. Again, part of the problem was the writing. I think executive producer Scott Buck, you know, the, 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 the course of the direction that they decided to take with this character. But I also lay it with the actor himself. Did you some of those facial expressions that he had? I mean, he just he looked like he like a child whose face gets like really red when they get mad. And that's what he looked for like most of the season, especially when things weren't going his way. And he got played like a yo-yo. Well, and the other thing that was difficult about it, and I'm going to just sort of segue here because it's also my worst uh, show of the season, is that some of the dialogue and the scripting was just cringeworthy. Him as a white guy going in and telling an Asian (laughs) sensei and her students how things should be done. This is not to detract from anybody who who is white who portrays the uh, who practices the martial arts. But in that environment, in the Marvel Universe environment, where there are very few Asian characters and you have this one who is obviously a dynamic one being told by a white guy how to do stuff, it was just bad. Literally, I would not, unless you were wanting to see Tom Pelfrey do a really good job because you had watched him on um, daytime, I would not. I would just say skip this show. Just pretend it never happened and go to the Defenders and just treat him as a new character in the Defenders. That is how bad Iron Fist is. Mel, which one, who did you have for worst new show or what show was worse for you? Well, since I decided to skip Iron Fist altogether because I heard how terrible it was, I have to go with the first half of the season for The Walking Dead because it was bad. It was bad, bad. There was just, Negan was, you know hitting people in the head with Lucille, left it right, and there was just no hope on that show, which is kind of important since it's a zombie apocalypse show, and we need that a little bit, and everybody was just down, and it was just kind of trugging along, and it felt, it was like a chore to watch, and I hate when shows do that. So, for me, definitely the first half of The Walking Dead. It got better, you know, towards the end of the season, but uh, it was rough. Okay. Best show of the season, Dan. I'm going to go with Legends of Tomorrow. Hands down, that was the show that I could not miss. I, It was the most fun uh, like show on television for me, personally. Um, just the characters all clicked. They ditched the bad ones from the first season, like Hawkgirl and Hawkman and um, Vandal Savage. Didn't need any of those. I was a little down on not having enough Rip Hunter, Leonard Snart not being the Leonard Snart that we had during season one, but we got them in some capacity. We got uh, additional characterization for Mick Rory and Sarah Lance, and watching her become a captain was fantastic, and we got new characters with um, Amaya and Nate, and watching them grow as heroes was great. The JSA stuff was fantastic. Um, just there were, and watching them interact with history is always entertaining. So yeah, 
hands down, a lot of fun, and looking forward to season three. Leonard Snart was one of the high points of the Flash, uh, the Flash season finale. Um, For and real. I just need more Captain Cold. Just need more of him. Yes. Uh, Mo, who do you, uh, what did you have for best show of the season? I actually have a tie in this category. I love you, Mo. Uh, oh, cyber, we cyber high five. So my first show is uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield. I think this was its strongest what? season, from Ghost Rider to LMDs to Hydra World. The stakes just kept being raised with that show. The arcs were very self-contained, and they built upon each other. I just really love that how after four years, after four seasons, we see how the relationships, the characters have progressed to a point now they can really take some chances with breaking up people, really putting pairs together. I thought how they did things, it was a, it was very, it was a very well-oiled machine. My other show was Arrow. This was a comeback show. I mean, season four was a misfire, but I loved how season five was really, as I like to call it, the season where the chickens have come home to roost. For Oliver, that is. I mean, after the years of the killing. And, and you know, he just, he is facing a, a villain that he more or less created in Prometheus. And, I really think that not only for Amel, but for just everybody on this show, not just because it was the season in which their 100th episode aired, but also it was clearly a love letter to the show. And, you know, I think the flashbacks really worked this season. Um, And, you know, I'm also hoping that Leanne, you will no longer be with us moving forward. I have never been so happy to see an island blow up. Never so happy. Uh, Mel, best show of the season. I had to go with Riverdale. Um, For me, like Dan was saying, it's just old school soap. You know, it's primetime soap. It keeps you sucked in. Something crazy is always going to happen. And I like how, you know, there's mostly everything going on with the kids, but the adults also have their own stories and it goes back to them being kids, which is so super selfie. And I would definitely say, you know, by the end of the season, I was posting gifts on Twitter, like what is happening? What is going on? Oh my gosh. Cannot wait for season two. CW just did a really great show with the casting, with the story. I hope they keep everything nice and tight. Like they did for this season. Um, I loved it. I have a tie for best show of the season. Um, first up, I'm going to say Timeless. From, from a purely broadcast standpoint, it was the best sci-fi show on television. It was fun. It was dramatic. It had twists. It had turns. Rufus was a standout character. I believe I had him as my runner-up for actor of the year at the end, like at the end of last season or at the end of last year cannot say enough i'm so happy that it survived cancellation to be picked up again looking forward to it immensely cannot wait the other one that i have is expanse on this sci-fi if you were a battlestar galactica fan of the um like the last battlestar galactica not the one from the 70s or 80s this is its true air air 
it has so much political intrigue it has space battles it has so much character driven development it is fantastic so for me those are the two best shows of the season i did have honorable mentions the magicians because its improvement in season two was amazing and I was really impressed by what they did with Elliot and the other characters. It was very compelling. And then if you just want to have total fun and not watch something that's sci-fi, Lethal Weapon, by far, on Fox, was the most fun. Like, just plain and simple, most fun television show for me of the 2016-2017 season. The chemistry between those actors is amazing, and the storylines feel very much like the movies that we watched. Which gets us to our biggest category even bigger than best show of the season. And we had to give this tribute to, uh, it has to be named in tribute to one of the best couples in geekdom. Boo. The forever, oh. the forever Elicity award, otherwise Boo. known as best couple what? of the season. Dan, you're like the biggest shipper on this podcast and you are not here for it. That breaks my heart. Oh, they're so he awful. Hates, he hates that them. They're the worst. Tumblr he... and season four just ruined them. And they're just, See, they, they don't work as a tumbler. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, Dan, I get you know Luke. Luke is just setting you up because you know they're coming back to Elicity in season six. <laughs> you know he's laying the groundwork. As I said, that's the, okay. The, I, the I Forever Elicity Award. The Forever Elicity Award. Dan, we'll let you go first. I said Oliver and anyone else but Felicity. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Shame. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> Shame. Yeah, as much as like I enjoyed Oliver with other people, uh, I wasn't there for Susan. Uh, she she just didn't do anything for me. I liked Felicity with the, that one guy. That was cool. But I said Betty and Jughead because I couldn't think of what? any other. I couldn't think of any other couple that I was actually invested in that felt organic and I saw chemistry with. Like, it it just it it made the most sense. Um, there, there's a lot of, like, good story potential with their families and the way they're kind of processing their issues at the moment. Um, and I really, I can't wait for the inevitable heartbreak that's going to ensue because Jughead's too moody and Betty's too like hung up on Archie on some level, even though she keeps saying she's over it, she's fine, whatever. Yeah, okay. Um, but it's gonna happen, and it's gonna provide some good soap. And, and but for now, they are the best couple. Okay, Mo. I'm gonna go with Timeless's Rufus and Gia. It was a very sweet, unrequited love story, and then you know as a as it, things progressed throughout the season, you could tell that she liked him and that she was dropping these little hints that, you know, hey, Rufus, why don't you just kind of ask me out? And Rufus is just, like, afraid of going there. But then once the two got together, you know, it was just, like, an explosion of, like, fireworks and puppies and unicorns. And I'm just so happy that this, uh, that Timeless got picked up for a second season so we can see their relationship progress because it was just so sweet. Okay. Mel. Okay. Y'all gonna give me crap for this, but I don't care because they're my ship and I love them. Barry and Iris on the flash because it does not matter how many times 
that he screws up the timeline. It doesn't matter where they are. It doesn't matter when in the hell they are. They will always find each other. They will always love each other. And it's always beautiful. And I can't help myself. I just, I love them so, so much. My best couple is one for the 2016-2017 season is one that's technically not on a geek show. So I have to like preface this, but there is a show on TNT called Good Behavior that's starring Michelle Dockery opposite um, Juan Diego Bodo. She portrays a thief that is on parole whose goal is to get custody of her son back because currently the son um, is being taken care of by the mother and there is a restraining order on her from being able to see her son. And she can't help herself stealing things and scamming people. And in the first episode, she ends up scamming this man. And it turns out that he is an assassin for hire who does hit jobs. And what transpires over this season is this relationship between the two evolves as she, as they are together and hits are taking place and she doesn't want anything to do with it, but she's attracted to him and he helps her with her son it is so dramatic and it is so compelling to watch those two interact. You know how on soaps you'll have those family dinners where that cause all this drama? There's an episode in the season called the Ball Battle Ball I can't talk. The Ballad of Little Centino in which his whole family comes together and everybody basically finds out that he's in a like a hitman and she's there for him and then the season ends with her having to give the FBI information about him in order for her to get custody of her son back. And so she's betrayed him, but in the last minutes, she decides that she she did the wrong thing. So it ends with her giving him a warning so that he won't take the bait so that when the FBI tries to entice him, based on his profile for the like the Craigslist listing for like his work as a hitman, whatever that site is, they they were my everything this TV season as a couple. I cannot speak more highly of their like their dynamic. If you want to just watch a great show that has a really compelling dynamic between two good actors, you should watch Good Behavior. This is our chance to talk about honorable mentions, dishonorable mentions. Mel, did you have anybody who was an honorable or dishonorable mention? I think I had an honorable mention for um, a best character. I think I had Rufus from Timeless. That sounds about right. Okay. Dan, any dishonorable or honorable mentions? Uh, honorable mention for my DVR is full with American Gods. I'll catch up to it eventually. Um, it's just taken me a while. Okay. Uh, that's about it. Mo, any honorable or dishonorable mentions? My honorable mention goes to the uh, uh, the penultimate episode of Supergirl, in which you got Cat Grant came back, you got uh, the president who is played by Linda Carter, and you had Rhea who is played by former the former Lois Lane, just squaring off. That was such a great scene. And all of them calling each other queens or claiming to be queen. Yes. <laughs> yes, I was. I love that episode, but once again, I am devastated that Terry Hatcher's character died. I cannot help it. That would definitely be an honorable mention for me. Another honorable mention is most improved would go to Legends of Tomorrow and the Magicians. Both of those had fantastic 
fantastic improvements over their previous seasons. I had a dishonorable mention, but I forgot it. Uh, so I will just go with The Walking Dead. They went too far. I stopped watching. I don't know that I'll ever come back. Um, we would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on uh, Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find Melody at Melody Akles on Twitter. Dan is Real Dan Pierce. Mo is Dr. Mo77. And I am Luke underscore Kerr. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. See ya. Bye, y'all. Bye.